Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Six seconds to go. Comes in the Tucker. Ewing sets a screen. The shot is off. Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. Hello, and welcome everybody to another episode of Strick and Roll. I'm your host, Poo, and this is episode 32 of Strick and Roll. Uh, I am joined by a very special guest. You've already seen him if you're watching on YouTube, but if you haven't and you're listening to audio, his name is Jeremy Cohen. That is at the coincidence on Twitter. Jeremy, how are you doing? Doing great after a win, Schwinn? Yeah, I am doing great after a win. I actually watched 0% of this game. Um, I played basketball. If I didn't watch a game from the beginning, I can't like I, I, I can't watch it. I can't I can't tune in the middle, can't tune in at the end, I can't check the fucking thing on GameCast. I I, I so I literally was just sitting here like I messaged you. I was like, hey. Is it cool if we start at 845? You're like, yeah, I presume we'll start when the game ends. I was like, sure, bud. Whatever you say. <laughs> Whatever you say, Jeff. I had no fucking idea. I like, I was waiting for the stupid athletic like update on my phone. Just tell me the final score. And I was like, it's 830. It's 835. It's 840. It's 840. I'm like, what is happening? Is this game in triple overtime? I don't know. Uh, all right. We're going to. Trouble happened. Not- That's what happened. <laughs> it, pushed, it pushed the whole game. It was awful. Apparently, Evan Forty happened based on the box score. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and somebody should definitely trade for him. Uh, all right, but before we get into, we're not talking about the game, by the way. This pod is not about the game. This pod is about awesome nerd stuff like the trade deadline, and that is why I pulled in my favorite nerd, the greatest nerd, the goat nerd, Jeremy Cohen himself. Before we get started, I have to make a few announcements. The first being. That the Strickland has an Instagram that is at the strict.land on Instagram. Please give us a follow on there. Uh, we are posting all kinds of new content on there. We also have a YouTube channel where you may be watching this portion of the podcast. If you are, please hit like and then subscribe to the channel if you're not already subscribed. That would be a huge help to us. Final announcement is the Strickland has a Patreon. You can subscribe to that. There are a number of tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland, the podcast I host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to the Strickland mailbag that comes out every other week that is hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. the Doug Bag, along with Dallas Amico. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. I'm sure the conversation will never stop today. Uh, because the Knicks won a basketball game without R.J. Barrett, which is always a cause for conversation. There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to Strick and Roll, this pod right here that I'm doing with my good friend, Jeremy, who is much older than me. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) That's true. uh, Yeah, much, much, much much older than me. 43. Uh, 
Yes, 78 years old. Yep. Uh, you, you get access to that. You also get access to wonderful weekly articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits, like listening on a pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not. None of this would be possible without you. So without further ado, let's get started. I, look, we, we got to start with this because it happened. It's a thing that happened. We got to start with the Kyrie Irving trade. It happened. It's a thing that happened. Uh, Kyrie Irving gets traded to the Dallas Mavericks along with uh, the lesser Morris, Markeith Morris. Uh, the Nets get Spencer Dinwiddie. They get Dorney Finney-Smith. They get a 2029 first-round pick unprotected. And what were the second round picks? Was it a 2027 second and 2028 second? Like that. 29. I don't know. Mm-hmm. 29. Yep. Um, not as good as 69. Some it's not. It's for the word in the street. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I got to ask you. So my thoughts on this trade just initially were like, one, anybody that's sitting around praising Sean Ronks for this should, should like just – Fuck off. Like, no. You don't get praise for, like, your entire, like, grand experiment blowing up and you making the best out of a bad situation. That said, I actually like this deal for the Nets. Um, I think Spencer Dinwiddie is, like, obviously he's not Kyrie Irving. He's also mentally stable, which is a good thing. Uh, or more mentally stable, I should say, uh, than Kyrie. But, like, you get an unprotected first-round pick in 2029. I think they have an unprotected pick from Philly in 27. Is that correct? I believe so. Yeah, and then they have another protected pick from somebody. Whatever. They actually have the makings of not a varsity athlete. I just want to say. <laughs> <laughs> but they do have the makings of like a decent package potentially for another move down the line. Uh, I like. I think Dinwiddie is obviously a downgrade on Irving, but he's a good facsimile. And I think Dorian Finney-Smith is a huge get for them given the type of competition they're going to be facing in the playoffs in the East. I, I honestly, I, I also, I absolutely hate this trade for the Mavericks. So you tell me if I'm wrong, because I'm, I, you're the guru. You are the trade guru. I mean, I want, also, I want everybody to know, I will send Jeremy like seven different trade packages a day. And Jeremy will just be like, no, this is bad because of XYZ cap consideration in 2028. I'm like, I hate everything about you, man. I do. But I deep do. down, <laughs> deep down, you know I'm right. <laughs> yeah, you might be, but I still hate you. <laughs> it's, it's fair. It makes two of us. Um, so I, I agree. I actually, I do like this for the Nets, but maybe not for like in a vacuum. Sure, right? Like you're making the best of a bad situation, but you also got yourself into this situation. That's what happens when you get in bed with Katie and Kyrie, but whatever. Sean, Sean Marks had to do it. Everything he just had done, to. Yeah, just had, had to. to. Yeah. I am very curious as to what this means for the Nets for the next deal because I'm sure they're going to be doing something. To me, they feel half pregnant right now because it's like, do you go all in on KD knowing he could request a trade in the summer? Or do you hold off in the event that he does request a trade and you're like, well, at least we're covered for later. My guess is they're going to basically say to him, we are going to, like, with you healthy, we're a contender. And we're going to add complementary pieces around you that fit. And we can work with that. 
and the summer, if they still have assets left over, then they'll probably roll with it. But I still think they'll try to get, go after someone. I I really hate this for the Mavs. You I don't really think do. is it is so real real quick question. Um I saw somebody, I think it might have been Hollinger, who, you know, very smart guy, you know, just ask him. Um but I think he he tweeted out something like this might not get finalized for the next 24 to 48 hours because the Nets might want to go shopping with like what they have. Is that still on the table or are you not considering that at all? No, I can still consider it. What you're saying for the Nets or for the Mavs? For the Nets, because it's like you have this now, you have three first round picks you can trade. You've got a little bit more flexible in terms of contracts. Like, is that possible? Or do you think this is just is what it is? I mean, I also thought it was interesting that Haynes put out that report that like, uh, what that the Suns would be aggressive about trying to get KD if he's on the market. Keynes is notoriously shameless uh, of putting yes. out information for players. I didn't think that report came out of nowhere. I think that might have came out from KD's camp. So curious to get your thoughts on all of that. Well, it was interesting, speaking of Haynes, because he tweeted a few moments ago where he said that the offer that the Suns gave for Kyrie was... Um, Chris Paul, Jay Crowder, and unspec- and uh, unspecified picks, which I thought was fascinating. I would have done that. Yeah, I would have too. But this really comes down to the Nets picking the Mavs because they feel like Luke is a flight risk, and yeah. they got the pick right after he would leave. Like oh, a is year, that a year? Well, because so okay. this is why I hate the deal for the Mavs. It's not because of Kyrie, although he comes with his own baggage, and there's the risk of he could leave. The Mavs probably would look at this as like, well, if he does, we can sign and trade him to another team and get something back. I always thought like the very funny move would have been the Nets don't give Kyrie a max contract or the one that he wants. So what he does is he goes to Houston and he signs a max (laughs) contract this summer and they're like, cool, you're going to sit out. He's like, you're right. I am. And then (laughs) when he's trade eligible, when the Lakers have players to trade eligible, then they get the job done. I, I don't see that happening now. I didn't see it happening in real life either. But the reason I hate it specifically is I don't know what the Mavs are going to do. Uh, not even if he leaves, right? Like if he leaves, they they really don't have much to work with in terms of adding talent around him. It's a bad free agent summer. They don't have a ton of money anyway. They have to wait till 2024. The Mavs felt, look, we're not a free agent destination, so we might as well roll the dice. And I understand that. To me, what it comes down to is the year that the pick was conveyed. So for those who don't know about the Stepien rule, you can't have two year or consecutive years without future picks, right? Like basically you can't be with, there can't be like any two year period where you're without first round picks. It's why teams do swaps in between trading their picks and everything. So right now the Knicks own the 2023 Mavs pick. And a lot of people might think because of those pick protections, right? It's if it doesn't convey this year, it's a 2024 pick. If it doesn't convey next year, it's 2025 pick. If it doesn't convey then, it'll be two second round picks. It's going to convey. It's a matter of what year, likely this one, and where from 11 to 30. So the thing is, the Mavs could have still traded the 2025 pick. It would have just been, okay, if this year's pick didn't it's convey. It's a verbiage thing, right? It's, right. It it's pushed yeah. a year out. So it becomes 2024 yeah. and 2026. Totally fine. Where the Mavs screwed up, they traded the furthest pick out that they could, which is 2029. Every year after the draft, you unlock a new year of picks. But they can't trade the 2030 pick. So 
this summer, what's going to happen is like they could have walked into a situation where if this pick were 2028, they could have said, hey, Luca, Kyrie, we have salary and we have enough other first round picks to go 2024, 2026. We've already traded the 2028, but if we really wanted to, we could trade the 2030 pick. We could protect it like what the Timberwolves did the 2029 first. Like that would have been the smart thing to do now. They basically the way, can, can the Mavericks could the Mavericks have traded? I actually like could any team can they tr- are you allowed to trade your twenty thirty pick right now? No, that's the that's the thing. They can't okay. do that. So it's not so it's not until the next actual season that you can. Do it's it. well, it's once the the next it, it, you get seven years of picks. So when your pick right. selection okay. after the draft, you are free to then trade the next year that unlocks. Yeah. But so for the Mavs, they've traded the twenty twenty nine pick. So this year. Like, you know, let, let, let's say the Knicks pick conveys and they, they're starting over. They can trade 2024 and 2026, but they can't trade 2028 because they've already traded 2029. Right. And they can't trade 2030 because they've already traded 2029. Whereas if they had done 2028 instead, they could have done 2024 next year, 2026, and then 2030 yeah. with protections or not. And that's why... I think it's a terrible deal for them because it handicaps them in a way like they have what probably happened was they wanted Kyrie really badly and the Nets leveraged them and said, we'd rather take your 2029 first than take any Lakers picks that are off on the table or any Suns picks. Yeah. Haynes just said that the Lakers offered both the picks, right? Which means that the Mavs are betting on Luca to leave and they're betting on Kyrie to be in a situation that's, so terrible or like that he forced his way out that it's just it's chaos and i actually commend the nets for trying to exploit the mavericks in that sense it's, i think it's pretty hilarious but i don't like even if the offense works and the offense probably will work their 24th ranked defense entering today they traded their best defender in dorian finney smith uh, they got rid of dinwiddie who's an, who's just a god-awful defender and Kyrie's not great but you know Meh, I'd say probably hovering around there. I'm curious. He's better, how... he's better, he's better than Dinwiddie. He is. He's he very much than, is. He's better than Dinwiddie. Yeah. Which is so. I, I think this can work. The problem is that they don't have a deep enough team compared to last year. Last year with Brunson, they also had Dinwiddie and they had Dorian Vinny Smith. Now they've, you know, three. All three of those guys are gone. And yeah, you do have Kyrie in their place. Who on paper, he's an All Star starter, right? Like that's who you'd want around uh, Luca. But they lack the depth. They have. Worse, they have a worse defense than they did before they started the day. I still have no clue how they're going to counter any good big men. Like I think about if they run into Denver, are, are, are they losing in four or in five? Schwinn? like I, I like I don't know how Jokic or Aaron Gordon get contained in any way. If they match up with the Pelicans, like I just don't see how they guard Zion. Um, you could run through the list. Just a bunch of teams where I I recognize the Mavs have a really good defense ahead of them a really good offense excuse me it's just the defense has to come together and i don't know how they do that unless are they moving christian wood what are they getting for him is it someone who can complement those players better in fact i think they would move wood uh, did that on purpose because of the fact that they would actually be able to get someone who compliments Kyrie and luca they know they have to pay Kyrie this summer they don't want to pay wood as well so I understand why they did it. It's how they went about doing it that I really don't like for them. So I'll just say this. I'm going to be completely honest about this. I hate this deal for the Mavericks because I hate Kyrie Irving. Fair. I think he's a fucking total joke of a player. 
in terms of the talent is unquestionable, skill set unquestionable. I have been on record, and I will say this on record and repeat it. I think if he he to me is if I absolutely need a bucket, I got to get a shot off in any adverse circumstance, like inbounds pass from half court with two seconds left. He is the guy in the league that I would want to inbound to because I don't know if he's the most efficient. I don't know any of that shit. All I know is he will get a shot off and he is unguardable in certain situations. He's a phenomenal offensive basketball player. There's no question about that. We are on four years now of Kyrie Irving being on some type of bullshit every fucking year. Every fucking year with this guy, there's something. Oh, I don't want to get the vaccine. Oh, fucking, I need to go to my sister's birthday party. Oh, I want to fucking, you know, it's it's something with this guy all the fucking time. Oh, I don't want, I, I, I played well for a month. I didn't create a scene for a month. Give me a max contract. Like, I'm so out on this guy. And that is why I hate this deal for the Mavericks. You have if, effectively, to me, bet the majority of your flexibility and future on pairing Kyrie Irving, who you are now going to, if you don't max him, he will leave. That's what it is. If you don't max him, he will leave. So they are, I I don't think you make this trade without feeling we are going to max him. I think they're hundred percent going to max him. You're maxing Kyrie Irving. The last time you got a max, ask the Nets what happened. Like, he is not a stable character. You cannot bet. You drafted a generational talent. And guess what? You fucked up a lot of things. But if you had just waited out this season, just waited out this season, deal with the bullshit that's going to happen when Luca's out because he's hurt. If you just waited out the season, you would have had a clean slate in terms of draft capital, all that shit. You're probably, what, like a year away from having a decent cap sheet? Yeah, they would have and, max cap space in 2024. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I, I think this is so egregiously shitty. And if, like, t- to risk this for Kyrie is bananas to me. And it, it's even more bananas because to your point, like, I, I know there are, there'll be people that'll be like, you're fucking insane. Why would you say this? I'm sorry. I, I think, quite frankly, Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney Smith are better compliments to Luka Doncic's existence than just Kyrie Irving. I do. Like, I I really do. I think Dorian Finney-Smith specifically was such a key piece for them in terms of, do I think he's the greatest defender in the league? No. Do I think he's, you know, locked down, he's going to sit there with, like, the Kawhis and the PGs of the world and hold them in check? No, I don't. I think he's really valuable, though. I think he's really switchable, and the fact that they're running the scheme they run on defense makes him even more valuable to them. You lost that, which means you're going to have to promote somebody else from your dog shit fucking rotation and give them more minutes. Um, I don't. I, I hate this trade for them. I really do. And maybe that's maybe that's me. Maybe that's my bias of like the fact I, on record, like I despise Kyrie Irving, everything about him. Um, he might be a great person. I have no idea. I doubt it based on some of the many things he said. Uh, but like, you know, people are complex. He's done good things. He's done bad things. Who the fuck knows? All I know is if I'm running an NBA franchise, I would never risk a fucking thing for this guy. I I, I wouldn't have done it 
I I didn't want him in 2019. When the when when he was a free agent, after seeing how it played on Boston, I am on record saying I would not fucking pay for this guy. I wouldn't. I would not bet on him. And now you're talking about a team trading capital for him. I mean, to me, it's bonkers. Um, I get the desperation element of it for the Mavericks, um, but I'm sorry. Like, if de- desperation cannot only that that's not enough of a motivator or an explanation. Um, desperation is the consequence of your previous actions, and they are continuing to go down the same route of being desperate, of risking the future to immediately get a star acquisition next to Luca. And I, I don't really understand it because to me, if I'm looking at their team, I see Luca on 38 usage. Does he need somebody else that can create more offense? Absolutely. But you know what I would want? I would want like depth. I would want like multiple pieces that can like do shit. And they've actually sacrificed depth to get another guy who's kind of like, like they're the ninth ranked offense coming in today, at least on basketball reference. I'm just looking at it. So you strengthened a strength while weakening a weakness. Like that's just not good business to me. That's just bad business. And this is why I laugh when there are people that are like, oh my God, like there are still Knicks fans and writers like, oh my God, the Knicks didn't trade for Donovan Mitchell. And I'm like, the Knicks offense coming into today, at least, was seventh in the NBA. The Cleveland, for the record, the Cleveland Cavaliers offense is ranked eleventh in offensive rating. Um, like, what? What about watching this Knicks team? And this is applicable to the Mavericks situation. What about that would lead you to believe that the thing that the Knicks are really missing is another scorer? Because that's not what I get out of watching the Knicks. And that's not really what I get out of watching the Mavericks. What I get out of watching the Mavericks is like, yeah, they could probably use like a better 3 and D guy, a couple of them maybe. But I don't watch them and think, man, you know what they need? They need to upgrade on another ISO scorer. Like, I just don't get it. And, and not just that, it's like at, at the expense of your best defensive player. I, I just think it's crazy business and... It is what it is. But look, we talked about enough about this. Uh, we are going to talk about Nick's things. So I want to shift this, and I want to ask you, do you think the Kyrie Irving trade that has gone down now, does that move the kind of like crazy asking prices at all that we've seen on the market for various players? I don't think it adjusts it too much. Um, I mean, like the one thing I was going to say as well is it reminds me of like with football when a team gets a call and it's from Bill Belichick and he's like, Hey, I really like, and this was obviously while Brady's on the team and like the, the Patriots didn't look like they look now, but it's like, Oh yeah, I really want this player. And they just suddenly pop in the system. And, and if you're a, a team that's getting the call, you're like, why does Belichick want this player? What is it that they, what is it that he sees that we don't see in this guy? And I and feel you think, like you think Cuban has the same effect. I think Cuban is basically, <laughs> Yes. Uh, no, it, it more in the sense of it's like the Mavs probably they'll feel like, hey, we got Kyrie, but maybe they're looking around. It's like, why is it that we sent players who are probably maybe a marginally better that arguably it depends on the package, but like all these other teams were sending or a bunch of them were sending two first. Why is it we only sent one? Because it's that far out because it's the players. We like it just 
at a certain point, it, it's desperation. Yeah, but you know, it's going to happen. Where in, in a few years, when this blows up, we're just going to see a million different think pieces uh, saying, "Were the Mavs too good with Luka Doncic too early?" And it's really no. They just, they just blew that, yeah. their entire future with him because they they got false idols. But in terms of with everything going down, how it changes things, you know, I mean, the fact is that Kyrie really has what thirty games this season and then the the playoffs and he's a flight risk. The question that I have is how does this change the nets as buyers? Because they can now get into a market. Like they could call up the Raptors and they could ask for any of the players that are on the block. Um, I, I like, I don't know which one it would be. I I don't think it'd be Ananobi unless they flip uh, DFS. I don't think it would be. Yeah. yeah. Like, do they make a huge offer for Siakam? Like, it depends how the Raptors... If I'm the Raptors, I probably don't do that. I, I probably don't trade Siakam this year. I wait until the summer. I think, yeah, if you put Siakam on the market right now, he's the best player available. There's just like... It's, everything's cleaner in the summer. And there's certain moves where I think you can get away with. Like, you can get away with Van Vliet. You can get away with uh, Gary Trent Jr. Because they're penning free agents. You could probably get away with Ananobi. Siakam, I just don't think you could because he's a, just a better player than those guys. But, you know, are the Nets willing to try to flip Harris for Bogdanovich? Is, is there like are, is there a talent on the Jazz that they really want to get that works, where the money is a thing and they have the picks to do it? Like that Sixers pick, are, are, do we expect that to convey? It's not, you it's, know, it's, it's kind of a question. Right? So- no, the, well, I'm talking about the, the future one that they own. The, the protect the top eight protected one in like twenty twenty seven, whatever year it is, that one it's like yeah, yeah at yeah, that yeah. point do we expect the Sixers to tank to try to keep their pick when Embiid is thirty four thirty five is he still on the team a lot of question marks so you know I think I mean can Embiid can Embiid defeat can Embiid defeat Jericho Sims and Isaiah Arnstein a lot of people are asking that question too yeah and the answer is no. Actually, it's just a big no. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I I think that it'll it'll shake up the market for for the Nets and maybe some ripple effect for other teams. But like, if you're the Knicks, probably doesn't massively impact you. It really just depends on probably Toronto and how that how that plays out. Otherwise, I don't think it's a huge factor. Do you anticipate like so? Look, I, I don't think. Durant's going to get traded before the deadline. Maybe yep. I'm completely wrong on that. I don't anticipate that. But I really struggled to see him looking at this roster and being like, yeah, this is where I want to be after this season. I really do. Um, and that's not really like a knock on the talent on the roster because as much as I despise the way that Sean Marks is discussed by NBA media, like I do think their roster is okay. Um, but like, it's okay in the sense that, yeah, you're okay right now. They don't have any flexibility though. Like, so like Utah Watanabe, TJ Warren, these guys, they're not going to be back next year because they've out they're They've outplayed their contracts, which are veteran minimums. Um, and the Nets have the mini mid level to offer them in some capacity, which like multiple teams can, and probably will blow out of the water. Um, like, so that, like, I'll, I'll add one thing, just, yeah. uh, just real quick. Um, 
I think if anything with the market, and maybe I'm interrupting you and this is where you're going, but in terms of teams anticipating KD and how that impacts the, the deadline this year? Yeah. We yeah, continue. Yeah. Sorry. No, that that's that's exactly like like do you think that impacts it? Because we've heard like Memphis would be interested in OG and Anobi and Phoenix and fucking New Orleans. But like if these teams also believe like, hey, yeah, we could get OG and Anobi right now but that might materially impact negatively impact our ability to make a KD trade ready to come on the market this summer, which I do think is going to happen. Like I, I've been operating under the assumption all year that this is kind of like a, you know, last dance of some sorts, uh, not quite the dance. They didn't make <laughs> the whole song. Uh, but, but like, I mean, do you, do you think that, that cause, because I feel yeah. like, like I, I, I really think like people are have have kind of like poo pooed the Knicks offer. Mostly by people I'm saying Raptors fans who have immense main character syndrome. Um, mm-hmm. Like, like I mean, three protected picks, which are all picks that can and will convey as first round picks for OG Ananobi, who is a very good player, but it's not going to be an All Star ever. Um, like, like, is that like, to me, if it, I mean, it's hard to kind of top that unless you're going, willing to go to a place that isn't necessarily comfortable. I don't know. Like if, if you think Katie's going to come on the market, doesn't that impact your thinking on that? Yeah, no, it, it definitely does. I think the other thing with, with the original OG trade that we don't know is the salary, because if it's like, if it's. Rose and three first, and I don't think it was because the Knicks have made every intention of moving Rose. I mean, they if they do, get to like Evan a good... Fournier. Evan but that's Fournier the thing. Had five threes tonight. He did. He had a great game tonight. So, but but that's the the crux of it. If it's the Raptors, like were the Knicks offering three protected firsts and Fournier because Fournier was the salary filler, and they said, look, we know that you have to take on an extra year, even though Ananobi would have that same year. Like that's what we you know we can do that. We can have three first round picks. I don't think it was, hey, we view Ananobi as three protected first in a vacuum. Like the Knicks aren't saying, we think that the 11th pick that we got, that we traded out of, is essentially the equivalent of Ananobi. I like that's just, it just doesn't seem like that would be what they're saying. Every move that they have made indicates that that would not be the case. So, and, you know, like I've talked in the past about how the Knicks seem to want to have cap space and that in 2024. So much of that is predicated on the idea of if they trade for Ananobi or not. If they acquire Ananobi, I really don't expect them to be a cap space team. If they don't get him and they want him, then I could see them absolutely maneuvering. And the reason they'd want cap space is like some of it is just the challenges of base year compensation. Sign in trades can get really tricky. Like, what do you do? And that was also kind of the lingering thought process behind IQ, where before IQ played himself into what I think and hope is we're not moving him right now and hopefully not moving moving forward. Right. Right. The whole mindset was like, well, if you move IQ, you wipe away his cap hold. And if you wipe away his cap hold and you can also move OB, then you're you're opening up a lot of cap space. And before you know it, you don't have to worry about signing trades. That that was the whole mindset. And then IQ played out of his mind and now that's off the table and if the knicks are interested in getting ananobi to the point where they really want him and they don't want to wait and try to play the game later then they have to maneuver as such i don't 
love the short-term fit as you and I have talked about offline, as I've mentioned before. I also think that if they view Ananobi as a long-term player, you figure it out in the offseason. Like you get him in the building. But what I think the crux of it is, and I'm happy to elaborate on what I think is going on, I think the Raptors just don't want non-expiring salary and picks. I think they probably feel like, look, we can trade Van Vliet and we can trade Gary Trent Jr. And we can get expiring salary and we can get picks. Like, so we're good. We don't really want to enter the year with more money than we need to. And so now it's up to the Knicks to find a way to make a trade that basically sends over expiring salary to the Raptors. If OG is who they want, they have to come up with that. They don't really, the only expiring salary they have right now is Cam and Cam isn't probably going to be in Toronto. So that's just kind of how I see it where all these other teams, yes, this supposed arms race to get Ananobi, like you really want to trade for Ananobi and know that you could have gotten Kevin Durant a few months later based on everything going on there. Yes. The parody is wide open. You could seize the moment right now, but I look at the Suns, how they just haven't, they have a new governor. Like is his first move going to be, we're trading for Ananobi. I I think his first big move is going to be, I want to trade for Kevin Durant. I want to trade for a star. Like I thought the Mavs would have traded for someone like Levine, knowing that if the bulls blow it up, Levine can't just leave. He's there for four years. I thought maybe there's a chance that he could go after Siakam better complimentary player, but maybe they viewed him as a flight risk. I, I just, everything changes depending on if they really believe Durant is staying or going. And, um, like what reason do you have to believe that he wouldn't want out because like, are they moving Ben Simmons too? Is he going to stay here in Brooklyn? Can they move Ben Simmons? Right. Like they probably could, if they attached one of those picks, but are they getting something of value or are they getting something that's much more neutral to negative? It's just, I don't envy them, but they made their bed. So that's, that's their prerogative. It's just, I, I think that, I think that, the Raptors lose value if they hold on to Ananobi later because mm. at the, the draft, I think you're going to have the same situation. It's overshadowed by Durant. It's overshadowed by his own teammate in Siakam. Like just get, get him out of there. If you're the Raptors in my mind and you just go from there. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the Raptors are trying to get the Pelicans to put some level of compensation, draft compensation on the table, but more specifically on top of the compensation, I think they want Dyson Daniels. Um, I have, let's say I have a decent amount of an idea that they wanted Dyson Daniels last year in the draft. If they were going to trade Ananobi, uh, for the seventh pick to the Blazers, but they didn't want to do that because they wanted more than just the seventh pick and the Blazers rightfully decided to tell them to go fuck themselves. Um, but yeah, like I think, I think they want Dyson Daniels. I think they want a couple picks maybe on, on top of that. And they can, I, I, I don't think salary is the big issue. I think they'll eat a salary to make that happen. Um, but will New Orleans put that on the table? Yeah. And the better question to me, sorry, go ahead. No, I was really just, that's all it like, uh, I don't even know what salary that would be yeah. if you're New Orleans, right? Like, like, are we just talking yeah. to Graham? Like, yeah, they could, they could potentially do that. I could see it, but can they do better than that? And I think the one, just the one thing with the Pelicans, and the reason why I don't think Ananobi goes there, the Pelicans have not paid the luxury tax once in the franchise history. Yeah, Their ownership 
very frugal. They own the Saints. They don't love the Catholic spend. Church. Huge fans of Catholicism, they are <laughs> big, big fans of theirs. So it's like if you look at what would be coming down the pike, you'd have to pay Zion a max contract. You have Ingram on a max. You have McCollum on a contract. You've got to pay Valanciunas, and if you don't pay him, you find a way to replace him. And I'm not entirely. I, sure and how I, you I, do I that. think I think they're trying to move Valanciunas. I think they want to move Valanciunas. Yeah, but then, which is like banana. Like I just don't. The biggest problem for them, to me, is like because they're a team that should be motivated buyers to the deadline. But it's also like I think how many games have Ingram and Zion even played together? You know, like they haven't played enough. They haven't played that many together. So these are your two proverbial franchise guys. You don't really have a great lay of the land of like what do they need around them, right? Yep. And you're talking about trading, not like. I don't want to say crazy, but not insignificant draft capital out to get a guy like an OG and an OB who like, honestly, just viewing it on the surface. I don't love that fit at all. Like, I don't really, I don't understand that. And so I just, I I think they're actually in a really weird place, not a bad place, but it's a weird place. And, and the thing I have thought consistently, and I've, I've said, I said this last year was like, like they had a, obviously they had a great season last year in terms of like they started off like garbage, they make a crazy run second half of the year, they get into the play the play in, they win both play in games and they take this on six like very impressive season with a rookie head coach, um, but like I I don't love Ingram and Zion together. I think that's not like ideal. I mean, it's not bad, but it's not ideal together. Both of them are bad defenders. Both of them love to score inside the arc. That's their strengths. Zion, obviously, more as a rim guy, and then Ingram more as like a mid-range scorer, but they both operate inside the arc. So everything else around your team kind of needs to be to like create space for them. And weirdly, like, I mean, I really think like they they're if I were them, I would actively try to trade for Porzingis. Like, I think he actually would be awesome for them um, in the sense of like, he makes sense next to Zion uh, on both ends of the floor. It'd be weird because like, yeah, no, part of his, I mean, part of his, no, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Stability. I was going to say about, that's it. Yeah. It's just stability. Yeah. It's hard. All I was going to say about Porzingis is like the weird thing though about him is yeah, he can stretch the floor and that's like valuable, obviously, but, you have to give him usage one to make him happy. He's not going to be happy. We know this. He's not going to be happy just spreading the floor for guys. Um, but like, I also think he's improved a lot as a shot creator. So you should be trying to give him usage. And would they be able to do that with Zion and Ingram there? Like, I don't know. It's a very weird situation and team. It's not necessarily bad, but it, I don't think it's all hunky dory. Like, you know, uh, David Griffin's, band of uh you know fans and in, in nba media like to portray yeah but just real quick i mean the, the the salary is a concern like you then have to pay ananobi on top of that yeah and, and you have even to pay porzingis right so even if you keep valentunas and you know extend him for the max you can give him you're running into a problem and then if you think oh well the cap is spiking not an issue well, then you have to pay 
Ingram again because he's a free agent in 2025. It's just it all adds up for a team where I don't like I I just I agree with you in terms of the fit. I think the difference with a team like the Pelicans and say the Knicks is pieces are a little bit more interchangeable. Like and much of the conversation comes down to RJ Barrett. Like if you are the Pelicans, you're probably not looking into moving Brandon Ingram to the degree that the Knicks would be looking into moving RJ Barrett. So like you can make these types of moves if that's something that's of interest. Whether it is or not is certainly a different conversation. I do think that Ananobi would make a lot of sense in a team like Memphis. I just don't know if they're going to go after him. Like the Grizzlies are very much a these are our guys type of team. Pretty much everyone's been drafted except like for someone Knicks. like Stephen Adams. Kind of, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> These sure. are our guys. If you ignore Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson. We, we might only game. play Obi seven minutes a game, but he's yeah. one of our guys. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so that's the. I just don't see the cleanest of fits with New Orleans. I think it makes sense on paper with Memphis, but I don't know if that's something they'd go for. Also, again, if they feel like they have a legitimate chance at Kevin Durant. Why? Why would they go after OG and Anobi now? Like they've they've got a young team. Next year they've got some, you know, still young, cheap talent. Bain doesn't get paid yet. Jackson is on a below market deal. Jaws naturally on a max. Adams is signed. Like it's just one question mark. And why you wouldn't try to bring a very mentally fragile team and bring a mentally fragile player, at least off the court specifically. Uh, seems like a great fit. You can get Dylan Brooks out of there, but I, I, I have a train of thought with some reports and I'd love to go back and forth with you on it. And I want you to tell me if what I'm thinking is crazy or if there's some sort of merit to it. Is that cool? Uh, yes, let's do that. But before okay. we do that, I do have to do something very, very quickly, Yes, which is of utmost importance. NBA fans. It's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt-in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game. And if it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back. Download the app now and sign up with code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports sports betting partner of the NBA with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, let's play the game. Okay. So I want to start off with one player first, Cam Reddish. So we've been we know that Cam's been on the block for a while, right? Future superstar Cam that the Knicks are just absolutely railroading. Yes, exactly. Uh the next Paul George. Now there was talk, you know, like the Knicks want to trade him to Milwaukee. The Knicks want to trade him to Dallas. All these things. So, just you saw the Stein report that came out um, when he was talking with Chris Haynes about how the Knicks and the Mavs. There was some talk of Bullock. They were split in terms of maybe it was more coaching, which naturally the front office let Bullock walk. I don't think they would 
there'd be a, they're at the point, yeah. and it's not even a sunk cost. It's like they don't value him in a way that the coach clearly does. So, but the thing that Stein said that I thought was the most interesting was the Knicks want expiring salary for Cam Reddish. And I don't like, again, to me, I was, I've been operating under the assumption if they're not getting Ananobi, they want 2024 cap space. There's no one this summer. The Knicks are going to be over the cap. Why would they want to just clear Cam's money? They don't need to. It just was kind of weird. Like, why would you just get rid of him? Um, I'm paused there. Is that right? Would you agree with me on that based on how we've discussed in the past? Yeah, so I kind of wonder if the front office, like, I, I this is just me thinking aloud. They might just want expiring salary because it gets them closer to flexibility. Like, I think the one thing we can say for sure about this front office is they like having options. and But they'd have fewer options they if like... they did that. So, right, right. But you're looking at options in a very like contractual way. I am saying like, okay, so let's live in this world, right, where mm-hmm. they trade Cam for expiring salary. Okay, let's say they decline Derrick Rose's option, right? In that world, how far off are you from having meaningful amount of cap space if you just dump Evan Fournier somewhere? The question then goes to who are you paying? What would you spend it on? Yeah, right. right. And, so, and, uh, and I'm saying, I, so my 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 way I would throw it back to you is like they might just want expiring salary because they've determined that the guys that are potentially being offered for them or offered to them rather um, that they would be getting in return for Cam, the long term salaries they've been offered or the longer term salaries they've been offered are not appealing, and they would rather cut the salary, save Mr. Dolan some money, uh, good good old Mr. Dolan, and leave themselves the option that if somebody wriggles available that they like, hey, we're just an Evan Fournier salary dump away from paying that guy. But they're like, not. That's the issue. right? Okay. So, like, let, so just for context, if the Knicks did that, right? Let's say they moved camp for expiring, wiped him away, and they declined Rose's cap hold. Mm-hmm. They're pretty much they're still over the cap, right? And we haven't even, even well, if they dump Fournier for nobody. I'm saying if they've still kept Fournier at this point, right? Okay, they're like three four million dollars over the cap. We haven't even talked about the fact that the Knicks have first. two first round picks, maybe three. Who knows? Maybe three. <laughs> Those picks, if they're all, let's say even just two of them are like consolidation draft mm-hmm. stash, whatever. They take two of them into the next year. That's probably going to be in another six, seven million dollars that counts on salary commitments. So if you're moving Evan Fournier for no money, right? You're only looking at eleven million dollars in cap space. That's basically the, the MLE. You could just spend that by staying over the cap, and then you don't have to, you know, basically move off of Fournier to like you have to attach an asset to do it. You don't have to get less of Cam just to get rid of him. If there's a star trade that comes about randomly, right? Let's say there's a random star trade. It helps well, we to have more salary. We just saw one at this deadline, obviously. Exactly. But yeah. like, you want to have salary carry over. So that's why I don't I don't think... I, I hear what you're saying, but if this were a better free agent class, if the Knicks were really eager to add someone, I think what you're saying would track. What if they know something? 
Well, so that's that's the next. Part. Oh, are is this where you're there's going? More, there's more to it. There's it was not just this one little thing. There's there's, there's, there's layers. So it's, it's like a tangled web we weave. Right. So <laughs> so that's the thing that I thought. Right. Like it's odd to me that the Knicks would want expiring salary because of the fact also they don't need to save money. They're already like six or so on million dollars below the luxury tax. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini yeah, fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.